As you're tuning in today, we welcome you wherever you're watching from around the world. We are so glad that you're watching today. And if you're in our area, we invite you to stop in, be a part of what God's doing. Uh, we, one thing to catch it online is another thing to experience it in person. And we would love for you to be our guest. Today, we are starting a new series we're calling The Promises. Now, how many know that seeing is believing, right? That's, that's kind of our thought process. Seeing is believing. I got to see it to believe it. When I asked my preteen, did you take a shower? <laughs> yeah, dad. Wait, wait, wait. Come here, come here, come here, come here. And you smell their head and it smells like a wet dog. You know, no, get back in there. Use shampoo and soap and take a real shower. Did you brush your teeth? Yeah, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Let me go check. I checked the toothbrush. It's not even wet. You didn't brush your teeth. Get in there and brush your teeth. They're leaving. Wait, wait, wait. Did you clean your room? Yeah, I'll clean my way. Well, let me go check. Sure enough, I'll open the door. No, get back in here. Clean that room before you leave. Why? Because seeing is believing. And if we're not careful, that just falls into every area of our life. And seeing is believing becomes a habit. But it's the way of our life. But it can be a, a wrong way when it becomes to the spiritual things in our life. This kind of mindset can hurt us when it comes to the spiritual things of God that God has for us. What do you do when you've been praying? God, bring me the right person in my life. God, bring me a Christian man. Bring me a Christian woman who will love me and be my partner. And then you look around, there ain't nobody in sight. What do you do? God, I thought you was going to bring somebody. Well, what do you do when you have pain in your body and you come to church and we pray and you pray over your pain and you get up Monday morning and you're still in pain? What do you do? How do you react? How do you, do, how do you handle that situation? How do you react when you feel like God is missing? Well, I'm here to encourage you today. I want to speak encouragement to you today that God's best is still yet to come in your life. That your better days are ahead of you and God's still got more planned out for your life. That even when you don't feel it, God's still on the move in your life. Even when you can't see it, God's still moving in your life. You've got to understand that and see that. Look at our theme verse today, 2 Corinthians 1.20. This has become a verse that I want to read today, not only for this series, but I believe uh, for this year. It's my personal verse, and I believe it's for our church as well. Something God's been just dropping in my spirit for the last month. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So all of God's promises are yes and amen. And you've got to understand that today, that when even when I don't see it, even when I don't understand it, that all of God's promises are yes and amen. Yes, they will come to pass. Yes, they will be true in my life. And I say amen to that. Amen means yes, God, let it be. Yes, God, I agree. And so today, I want to start this series we're calling The Promises. 
God has a lot of promises he wants for our life. And I want you to realize that the hope is still alive in your life. God is still moving in your life. God is still moving in this community. God is still moving in the world. And we got to wake up and get on board with what God is doing. God is still for you. God has not left you. I want to look at the story of Esther today. It's a great story. Ladies, this is better than any real lifetime movie you've ever watched. There's so much drama in this, in this story. There's so much drama. We got kings and queens and former queens. And we got murder, assassination plots. We got good versus evil. It's a story that's so full of interesting things I love to study. And it's really good for our life today. But I want to encourage you today. God's best is still to come. And we're going to look at the story of Esther and learn about this. So I want you to write this down. Number one, God moves through unlikely people. God moves through unlikely people. Esther was a slave and an orphan. Her parents died and she was adopted by her uncle Mordecai. And they were brought in by captivity, brought in to the kingdom, and so they were brought in as slaves. The Jews had been captured. They're brought in as slaves. So she's a slave. She was an orphan, and she's been adopted. Looking at this from the natural eye, it doesn't seem like a lot of good is going to take place here. According to this day, to the Jewish culture, their heroes were not coming from orphans. Their heroes were not coming from slaves. Their heroes were not coming from these places. But how many are glad that God doesn't measure the way man measures? Amen? God sees differently than man sees. God uses her to become the hero in this story. But first, let's read Esther 2.17. Esther 2.17 says, And the king loved Esther more than any other young woman. He loved a lot of them. He was so delighted with her that he set the royal crown on her head and declared her queen instead of Vashai. Now, what happened here was Vashai was selected as queen. And they're having this big feast, wedding ceremony been going on for weeks and weeks and weeks. The king's having this big party. And, of course, with these big parties, a lot of alcohol is being wines being drunk. The wings feeling really. The king's feeling really good one night. He says, "Hey, go get the go get the future queen and bring her out and let us look at her." And they come and said, "The king wants you to come out and parade again." And she was like, "I am so tired of this. Every time he gets a little bit of drink in, he calls me out there and wants to, wants me to show boat around and showcase her. I'm not doing it anymore. I am not going to be out there. I'm not a piece of meat. I'm not just a cattle. He can't just herd me out there in front of all of his friends." And she's like, "I ain't doing it." So the, the king goes, all right, forget her. Find another 180 and I'll choose another queen. So this is what happens. They, they choose another 180 girls that are potential candidates to be the queen. And Esther is picked as one of those girls. And she had to spend a year, a whole year, concentrating every day on her beauty. I mean, every day she had, they had to do things to make her smell better, to make her hair look better, to make her complexion better. They spent a whole year on beauty products of getting her to look better day after day. How many know this is not our hero, right, ladies? You're like, wait, Shetty, she, 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 
Vashai, she's the one, right? Vashai, she's the one who stood up to the king. She seems like more of a hero. Esther's just kind of hurting along, being herded out there, and she's not standing her ground either. As a matter of fact, she's spending a whole year every day being vain, looking at her beauty, working on her beauty. Not only that, the Bible says that, that 180 women, that they were brought before the king, and each one of them had to sleep with the king to see if he really liked them. So as a Jew... She was breaking her vow before the Lord. She was sleeping with a man who wasn't her husband. She's sleeping with a man who's not of her Jewish people. She's taking in this wedding ceremonies and pre-ceremonies, and she's eating things. She's drinking things she's not allowed to do. I mean, the Jews have a really hard time with Esther because she broke all these things that she was not supposed to do. And not only that, she was a person who was adopted. She was a person who was a slave. She's a person who's vain. She's a person who would let down her morals and just to kind of go along with the flow. She didn't stand up for what was right. I mean, they don't see her as a very strong person. But I I want to let you know today, Lester's life was really a mess, wasn't it? If we want to be honest, it's kind of like our lives. Our, Our lives can be a mess at times. Our lives can seem like they're out of control at times. She waited, and she could have been disqualified by all the religious community on what God could do to use her. But God loves to use other people that people have given up on. God loves to use people that other people have forgotten about. God loves to use people that have blown it in their life. God loves to use people that have big mistakes in their life. God loves to use people that people wouldn't see as qualified. How you start it's not as important as how you finish. Come on, look at that statement. How you start is not as important as how you finish. We got to quit our eyes off on how we started and get our self back on track so we can finish strong because God's got a plan for your life. God loves to use people that we see as not qualified. God uses imperfect people for his perfect plan. God wants to use you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him that. God wants to use you. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, God wants to use you. No matter where you're at in your story, God wants to use you. God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the call. Oh, yeah, that's, that's good right there. Number two, write this down. God moves through scary situations. God moves when things seem like they're out of control. Esther becomes queen. It's a rags to riches kind of story. But now we see a new person emerging in the story. We see a new person coming forth, and Esther is now beginning to get bold. Once she received the, the crown, she began to get some authority, and she began to say, God, I want to use this authority to help my people. God, I want to use this authority to bring you glory. One problem. We got the villain of the story. The villain of the story, his name is Haman. Haman had become second in command to the king. And it went to his head. And he said, King, I want you to declare it that everywhere I go, people must bow to me. And the king's like, Whatever, dude, do, do your thing. And he's like, Yeah. So he's walking around, and everywhere he went, people had to bow at Haman, second in command in the kingdom. And he walked around like, Kiss the ring. You know, come on now. You better bow. They bow. But there was one person who would not bow, and his name was Mordecai. Mordecai, remember now, is Esther's uncle who adopted her. 
And he was like, dude, get over yourself, you know? He was like, really, man, get over yourself. I'm not going to bow to you, all right? Just get over it right now. I am not going to bow to you. And this began to infuriate Hammond, and he got mad and bitter. I mean, can you imagine you've been given the whole kingdom, you're second in command, and you're worried about one little peasant over here who won't bow to you? He's losing sleep over this one person. He gets angry over this one person. It begins to fuel at him. He begins to have hate in his heart creep up and burn over this one person. Listen, when you let one person control your thoughts and dominate you to the point you can't leave it at work and you can't sleep at night because this person did me wrong and it's dominated you, you're allowing that thing to burn in your heart and is setting you up for failure. Okay? The mature, let it go. The immature, hang on to it and get mad, get bitter, and then want to get even. This is what's taking place in Hammond's heart. Hammond wants to get even. He gets full of pride. So Hammond tricks the king. He says, King, I think we should make it into law that on this certain day, all the enemies of the Jews have a right to kill them on this one day. King's like, yeah, that sounds good to me, signing into the law. He signed into the law. So it was coming up on this one day. It was, you had permission. If you were an enemy of the Jew, you could kill the Jew or all the Jews if you wanted to. On this one certain day, you could do it, and it was in the law. It could happen. But one thing had happened that Hammond didn't realize. Actually, two things had happened that he didn't realize. So Hammond's going to plot it out now. He's going to kill Mordecai. Not only is he going to kill Mordecai, he wants to kill all of Mordecai's family, all of his friends. He wants all these Jews. He doesn't like them. But he didn't realize two things. Number one, Mordecai had foiled an assassination attempt on the king. Mordecai, as his uncle, had heard, overheard of a plot to overthrow the king. They were going to kill him. He tells Esther, she tells the guards, and they take care of this plot, and they destroy it before he ever has a chance for the king to get assassinated. Number two, he doesn't realize that Esther is now the new queen, that her uncle adopted dad is Mordecai. So you got to understand what's going on here, that Hammond is putting out a plan to kill Mordecai and the Jews, but long before that plan ever takes place, God has already worked out an answer. God's already worked out a purpose. God already had Mordecai at the right place at the right time. He had already done something to, keep, to save the king's life. He had already sent an Esther, and Esther was crowned the new queen. He already had a way out before the enemy ever started his plan. God's already providing the way out. Listen, when the thing seems scary, know that God's already got a plan ahead of you waiting. Know that God's already got a plan waiting on you. God's already went ahead of you. You look at your timeline. I know what's happened in my past. I know what's happening in my future. But I don't know what's going on out there. I don't know what's going on in my future. In my present, I know. In my future, I don't know. But I do know this. Anything the enemy has to destroy my life in the future, God's already gone ahead of that and worked the way out. Come on now. Give God a hand clap for that. God's already ahead of you. God's already got the plan in motion. I don't see God. Maybe you don't see God because he's all out ahead of you, already putting a way of deliverance and blessing in your life ahead of you. Maybe he's out there working ahead of you. Esther 4.14, look what it says here. 
Now, if you keep quiet, Esther, that's what he's saying. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance, relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. Let's say that last line again. You were made queen for what? For just such a time as this. Could it be today that God is wanting to do something in our life? Before the enemy ever put a plan together to destroy my life or destroy your life, God has put into motion a plan of delivering you. What if God raised you up for such a time as this? What if God raised you up now? You are here now. You are alive now for such a time as this. God saved you now for such a time as this. God has you alive now for such a time as this. Our world looks scary. We don't know where all the answers are coming from. We don't know where we're headed. But I, my faith is in God. And I know that God is raising me up for such a time as this. God has raised me here for such a time as this. God has raised you up for such a time as this. Put it into motion. Let me ask you this question. Who is the one person God has raised you up for this year? For such a time as this. Last week I asked you, who's your one? Who's the one you can invite in? Who's the one that you can bring in and begin to love this year? Begin to just minister to their life this year. Who's the one? God raised you up for that one this year. God has you here this year for that one. Who is it for such a time as this? Let me ask you a question. What if God raised Destiny Church up in this community for such a time as this. What if God is raising some other churches up just for such a time as this? He needs some churches that are not going to bend to the truth of the gospel, but will hold strong that God is the everlasting foundation of our faith. And in him we move, we breathe, and our faith lives. And we're going to declare his grace and his mercy to all that we see. What if God raised you up for such a time as this? What if God is raising us up together for such a time as this? What if God raises us up to feed a lot of hungry children who will go to bed empty on an empty stomach at night? And long before they ever had a meal that they were going to miss, God raised you up to be their answer to prayer. Yeah. I want to remind you, coming up on Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to do our third annual convoy of hope or, or giving one day giving well we're going to help we're going to ask you to give up one day's wages to help feed the lost and hungry kids of the world the kids who are needing meals every day and going to bed in poverty situations we're going to partner with convoy of hope and we're going to give one day's wages and we're going to see see god move and god's going to do a lot of meals last year this church alone we gave over 100,000 meals away around the world and even some here in our local community what a small miracle that is that this church of this size can give away 100,000 meals. Why? Because God's raising us up for such a time as this where somebody's answered a prayer, where somebody's God's hands and feet, the somebody God is raising us up for. Begin to prepare yourself. We'll talk more about that as we get closer. I love this, that God is raising us up for such a time.
a time as this. So Mordecai and Esther come up with a plan. Esther's like, all right, call all the Jews, call all of our friends and family, all the Jewish people and tell them, I'm going to go before the king. Now, what you got to understand is for her to go before the king uninvited means she was putting her life on the line. That by death, if the king didn't invite you, you show up in his presence to talk to him and he didn't invite you first, you, by law, you could be put to death. So she was taking a big, big risk by going to the king uninvited. But she said, before I go invited, we're going to spend three days fasting and praying together. And so they called a fast and all the Jewish people come together and they fasted and they prayed for three days. And then she said, if I die, I die. I'm going to go to the king and I'm going to tell him what's going on. I'm going to tell him how they're trying to trick and kill us all. She said, if I die, I die. See, there comes a time when you've when you got to be willing to put it all on the line. As a believer, there comes a time such as this. When you're willing to lay it all on the line and go all in. God, here's all the cards. God, here's all I have. God, I'm giving you everything. God, I'm willing to put it all on the line for you because I believe that, God, you're raising me up for such a time as this. He said, if you don't do it, your whole people, your whole family could die. I wish I had some moms and dads that would raise up their children and say, as for me and my house, I'm going to train my kids up that God is still God and God is still the true God and the word of the Lord is still the foundation of our life. Why? Because their lives depend upon it. If I die, I die. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And number, watch, write this down. Number three is the last thing I'm going to give you. God moves through unfair favor. God moves through unfair favor. I mean, Esther didn't belong there. She didn't belong to have favor. She didn't deserve the favor. She was orphaned. She was a slave. And she was a Jew. There's no way she belonged in the court with the rest of all those other queens that were educated, that were of the same nationality, that had been raised to worship the king. And she was the outsider. She didn't belong there, but God raised her up. Doesn't seem fair, does it? But that's the way God moves. God moves through unfair favor. The king learns of Mordecai's, how Mordecai saved his life. One day they're there and he tells his bookkeepers, he's like, hey, read to me the events that have been going on in the kingdom recently that maybe I've missed. And they're, they're going off a checklist, telling them things that have been happening. Oh, by the way, there's a guy by the name of Mordecai. He overheard an assassination attempt on your life. He told us about it, and we stopped it before it ever had a chance to take place. The king's like, wait, time out. Why didn't you tell me? Oh, we were so busy with the wedding and the, the feast and getting the new queen. We forgot to tell you. He goes, would anybody do anything for this guy who saved my life? They go, no, we haven't done anything yet. Some of you, that's where you're at. You've, been, you've done the right thing. You've done things for the king. And you're like, king, do you, do you see me? King, do you know I'm here? King, I've been sacrificing. King, I've been serving you faithful. And the enemy wants to come and lie to you and say the king doesn't realize it. The king doesn't see it. The king doesn't have a plan for your life. But I want you to know it's just a lie of the enemy because the king has already went ahead of you 
<laughs> the king is always 10 steps ahead of you. I love this story because he goes, would anybody do anything to celebrate Mordecai? They go, no. He goes, well, we're going to do that. We're going to fix that right now. He goes, send Hammond to me. Remember Hammond, the one who wanted to kill Mordecai? Hammond, come here. There's a guy by the name of Mordecai. I don't know if you know him or not. But I want you to go pick him up, and I want you to be the head ceremony, and I want you to lead a parade in his honor down the streets of the city. So Hammond, who thought he was elevated, thought he could have Mordecai assassinated, is now the one out there having to lead the parade of the person he thought he was going to kill and steal and destroy from. But God had another plan, and he'll cause your enemies to rise up and to lead you, to serve you, and to bless you. I'm telling when you stay faithful to the king, God will cause your, even your enemies to stand up and to be nice to you. They'll have to bow to you. They'll have to do what God tells them to do. Because God works it out when you stay faithful to him. Don't give up. God's still moving. Don't quit. God's still on the move. The enemy was planning on taking out your life. But the king has another plan. A king has a plan of honoring your life. It's called favor. I'd rather have the favor of the king than the favor of a thousand. Hammonds, I can tell you right now. Hang on. Stay faithful to the king. God uses people who don't seem like they deserve it, but God uses them to be the hero in his story time and time again. Could it be that God's raising you up for such a time as this. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you that all your promises are yes and amen. We hold to your promise today. And with every head bowed, your eyes closed, I want to ask you a question. The most important question today is, have you given your heart to Jesus Christ? Have you made him Lord of your life? The Bible says, I must believe that he is the Messiah, God's only son, that he died on a cross for my sins. I must believe it and I must confess it with my mouth. Today, this is the most important question. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? If you haven't done that, today's a good day. We won't do anything. We're not going to embarrass you. I promise you. We're not going to call you out or single you out. But without anybody looking at me, can you just raise your hand? If that's me, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus today, Pastor. Any hands? Yeah, thank you. Anybody else want to join them? Thank you. I see those hands. Thanks, guys. One more time. If you haven't raised it and you want to raise it, raise it right now. Let me see you. Come on. There you go. Yeah, thank you. Okay. We're going to say this prayer together. If you raised your hand, whether you're online or here in the audience, we want you to say this prayer after me. As Christians around you, we'll help you along. Say, Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe you are the Messiah, God's only son. And from this day forward, I will live for you. I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We say welcome to the family of God. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it.